Today's reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andy, for reading that chunky passage. If you all have a Bible with you or a phone with a Bible app, I want to encourage you to, or there's Bibles in the back of the pew, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke 24, starting at verse 13, because we're going to jump into this passage throughout this morning together um, to be able to do that. So Luke 24, and we're going to start in verse 13. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and say a word of prayer with you. Lord, we come before you and we just ask that we can take whatever distractions we have, whatever's flooding our brain and lay it at your feet. Lord, work in us to be prepared for your spirit to do amazing things. Lord, have your way today. Amen. So Luke 24, there is a lot of emotion packed into this little spot nestled here at the end of Luke. And so I want you to picture with me for a moment. Picture it. You have been following Jesus for maybe a year or more. 
And you are just blown away by this man. You have never met anyone like him. He teaches things and he says things that leave your mind blown. You have seen him do amazing miracles that leave you speechless. The sick are healed. The lame can, the lame can walk. The blind can see. It just constantly, you're overwhelmed with what he can do. You are so drawn to him. You feel loved when you're in his presence. You feel seen. You feel like you have a purpose. And you know, you know he is going to do something amazing. You don't fully know because you're, what it is, but you're like, this is good. Our, he's going to overrule Rome. He's going to, he's the one we've been waiting for. We know things are going to change because of this man. But there's something you don't get. The chief priests and the rulers, they can't stand him. In fact, they want him dead. And then the next thing you know, they seize him. They flog and they beat him. They mock him. The crowds have turned. They're saying crucify him. They release the prisoner and now they're crucifying him. And what is going on? And then you hear these women, the women that went to go take care of his body at the tomb. They say he's not there. It's empty. Some angels appeared to them and said he's alive. What is happening? Did you picture it? Did you picture how exhausting and confusing it would be to be there to experience this? Have you ever been to an event or a social function and something happens at this event? And you're like, what in the world was that? And you cannot wait. You, you give an eye to your BFF or your spouse across the room and you're like, we are talking about this later. This, this, we are unpacking this because I don't know what's going on. This is the precious personal moment that we are privy to in this passage today. You see, we have Cleopas and his companion. We don't know for sure who his companion is. Some say it may have been his wife, but we don't know. We don't even really know who Cleopas is, except it tells us that he followed Jesus. And here they are. They're leaving Jerusalem, which is where people, everybody had went to celebrate the Passover feast. And where all of this stuff has just happened. And they're leaving and they're going down this road to the town of Emmaus. Some say maybe they live there. We don't even know that, right? So they're traveling down the road seven miles to the town of Emmaus. The scripture says they're downcast. They're confused. They're wrestling with what they have just seen. What they've experienced, everything they've been following and they've been believing in is just their mind is just blown and what's happening? What is happening? And they're talking about this. They're talking about Jesus. And who comes up alongside of them? Jesus. But they don't recognize him. And so they're walking along and here comes Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus at this point? It's like he knows, he knows what is going to happen. And he's like, I'm going to show them. Watch this. So he comes up alongside of them and he's like, what are you talking about? And they turn like, how do you not know? What What else would we be talking about? Like, did you not, well, hello, have you not, how could you have missed what happened in Jerusalem just now? And he's like, I don't know anything. And so they start telling Jesus about Jesus. <laughs> 
right there. So, you know, it's like a pure test. How's my biography going to sound right now? So they're, they're telling Jesus about Jesus and he, as they're telling him, right, they still aren't getting it, right? And then they get to verse 21 here in the scripture. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. You see, they were hoping that he would be the great revolutionary that would help the Jews not be under the control of Rome. Surely this is the one. The prophets make it sound like someone's going to come. This is it. This guy's awesome. But wait, he just died on a cross. He's not going to be the one. We had hoped. Because here they are. And the truth is, we all relate to this in some way or other. We have hopes that don't come to fruition, right? We had hoped we wouldn't have to pay so much in our taxes. We had hoped we would get that job. We had hoped our child wouldn't get sick. We had hoped our marriage wouldn't come to this. We had hoped we wouldn't be struggling with the same addiction and disease over and over again. The truth is we know well the land of we had hoped. We know where they are sitting right now. And we also know that they are talking about him and not really seeing him. And so in verse 25, we see that he says to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You see, at this point, Jesus could have said, after they gave his little biography, he could have said, it's me, right here. Hello, clue wagon, it's me. But he didn't, right? In the pure Jesus fashion, he wants them to discover who he is and understand him and know him. And so he starts so patiently by talking about Moses and the prophets. You guys, this is something to know. They know the story, y'all. They know the story of Moses. This is the story that for a Jew has been passed on for generation to generation to generation. The story of how God delivered the Hebrews from captivity in Egypt into the freedom of being his God's, of God's people. They knew this story. This is the story of redemption that they knew and they understood. This is the whole reason they were in Jerusalem in the first place, was to celebrate the Passover. Moses represented the law, everything they've ever followed. The prophets, they've heard the stories of the prophets, the ones that promised the Messiah, the ones that promised the Redeemer. They've heard this story. Oh, but did they hear the story? Did they know the story? Because here Jesus is saying, oh, friends, I am the Passover lamb. I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. I am your redeemer that you've been waiting for. It just doesn't look like you thought it would look. And so here he is unpacking this for them. And they're missing it, but he's not going to let them miss it, right? And this is so true about us too, right? We can sit in and we can take knowledge about him. We can, we can sit in here every church every Sunday. We can go to Bible studies. We can soak in, soak in the knowledge. And we can miss Jesus just walking right alongside of us. Saying, I want you to experience me. I want you to know me. I want you to know me, not just know about me. 
And I don't know about you, but we all have this road to Emmaus. I know my road to Emmaus is paved with a lot of excuses sometimes. Right? Like excuses of, I don't really have time. I'm really busy. I'm always got somewhere to go, somewhere to be, something to do, something to plan. I'm so tired. Just one more thing, right? And if I'm really honest, I've been quite the Charlie Brown lately. Kind of a cross between Charlie Brown and Eeyore. I'm not quite sure. I kind of meet in the middle. Just sitting there thinking, uh, what do you got? I'm wrestling with some questions, trying to figure out some answers. I got this bum ankle. I've been limping around for five months. Got to have surgery, so I'm a little frustrated by that. I just, I'm covered with stinking thinking, to be honest. And God, the whole time, whole time, is just nudging me. Michelle, be with me. Be with me. Spend time with me. I'm here. I'm right there with you, right? Have you ever tried to intentionally spend time with God? Some may be champs at it. Me, not so much. You see, I am the type of person where I have a to-do list always running in my head, and I can't even sit down to do anything just chilling out unless I have my to-do list done. Ask my husband, the poor thing. So I always have this to-do list, right? Well, it really interferes when I'm trying to deal with God. So let me give you an example. Last month I had to go to the dentist and have my little cleaning. And I really like, I like when I go to the dentist because I make an appointment early in the morning so I can kind of just rest in the chair. And so here I am at the dentist and I leave and I think, oh, but I gotta go back to work. There's lots to do. But not God's plan. He says, I want you to spend some time with me. Okay, God, I heard you clear. So I go ahead to downtown Fred since I'm close to it. I get out and I walk around for a while, just singing some worship songs in my head. I'm like, this is nice. Okay, let's go back to the car. Nope. God said, I'm not done with you yet. You're not going to go back to the car. I'm like, okay. So keep on walking. I find a little coffee shop to sit outside of near the train station. I sit there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read, read my Bible. So I pull out my little phone, turn up the Bible app. I read some stuff. I'm like, that was nice. Thanks, God. Okay. What do I do now? So I sit there. Oh, I forgot to text somebody back from a couple days ago. So, oh, pull it out, right? Nope, nope. God's like, no, Michelle, not the time for that. Me, it's all about me. So I put my, okay, God, put my phone down, right? Then I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Like, okay, God, I got some things I got to talk to you about. So I'm talking, nope, don't talk, Michelle. You be quiet. Just be, right? God, come on, what are you trying to say to me? I need some answers. I look up, I see the train. People are loading the train. The train is going off. I'm like, where are they going? Where are they going? Where is, is God trying to tell me something? Where am I going? Where am I going? What do you want me to do? Y'all, this went on for over 40 minutes. I kid you not. It was very, very exhausting. It is hard to just be, isn't it? To be. But you know what else to be is? I am. Really, to be is the verb for the first person present tense of I am. Go back to your English days. Let's work on this together. So I am, you are, he or she is. Good job. We're on, good job. We're on the same grammar page. So here we are to be and I am. Let's sit and marinate for a second on this. I am. The name God told Moses when Moses was at the bush and God was saying, Moses, you're the one that has to go and be the mouthpiece for me. Get my people out of Egypt, right? 
And Moses, full of excuses, full of excuses, he says, well, who am I going to say sent me? And God says, you tell them I am sent you. I am sent you. And, oh, who does Jesus start the story with when he's talking to these two folks on the road to Emmaus? Moses, right? He starts the story with Moses. He's like, hey, I am, you know the I am that talked to Moses? I am. I am that same I am that talked with Moses, talking right now with you on the road to Emmaus. I am the I am. I am the light. I am the light that is illuminating the scriptures so that you can understand them and understand that I am the fulfillment of them. I am the good shepherd who is guiding you along the way, who is leading you on this path to realize who I am, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. You are confused and you are wandering around trying to figure things out. Hello, I'm the truth. I'm all you need. I am the gate. I'm the only way in. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because I am the gate. I am the vine. You abide in me. You stay with me. And you will see who I am. That I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You thought I was dead. Oh, but I'm alive. I'm alive. See, he is showing these folks on the road to Emmaus that he is very much present with them. When they think he's not, he is. And he's taking them along this path. And it's so hard because sometimes really to know the I am, we have to learn the art of to be, right? To be with him, to be fully present. To be fully present is hard in general, right? To be, that's our person. Everybody's a person sitting here and we're all here in this room, right? You know what's so hard about being fully present we have things running through our heads. We have, we have tons of things running through our heads. We have like what to do today. How long is this going to be? Is she going to get done in time? Are we, you know, hey, I, you know, what's going on? Oh, oh, and don't forget the little experience blockers that we have. We have text messages going off, notifications. Got to keep up with your be real pictures, Snapchat. Oh, and you can't even learn a foreign language without getting the streaks going on all the time. You always have to keep up with something, right? Some are sitting in this room thinking I'm getting hungry. What I'm doing for lunch? What am I doing today? It is hard to be fully present. And then we miss Jesus. We wonder why we don't have peace. We wonder why we don't have answers. It's hard to fully be present. And here he is. I'm right here, he says. And then in verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. I love that part, right? Because can you just imagine Jesus? He's like, I'm going to act like I'm going further. They're going to stop me. So he's like, how long am I going to go? Oh, you want me to stay with you? So here he is. So he's acting like he's going further. They urge him to stay. They urge him strongly, right? Like they don't want to let him go. We haven't really figured out who this guy is, but we don't want to let him go. He has got some information. He's been, there's something about him. Just like they were drawn to him in earthly life. They're drawn to him right now, right? And they say, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So they went and he went in to stay with them, to be with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Don't miss this. Y'all, Jesus is still going on. Everything Jesus does is a teaching moment. He is intentional. Here he is. If you are following Jesus and you've heard him speak, you know another I am statement. I am the bread of life. 
No one comes to the Father. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Do you believe this? There he is. Ah! I am the bread of life. Right there. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. All the knowledge in the world couldn't stop the power of the Spirit. Lord, right now, we just pray. If there are folks in this room that don't have their eyes open to you, Lord, shed the walls and the barriers that are breaking them down. Lord, let them recognize who you are and the reality of you in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we all, these people, they have a testimony and you do too. We, everybody in here, you, you have a testimony with him. And so as they are, their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Sometimes we feel like that, right? We come close to Jesus and then where'd he go? Where'd he go? Oh, he's still there, right? They disappeared from, he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The closer we get to Jesus, the more the scriptures come alive and you, you hunger. You can't stop. You keep seeing him all over the place. And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. This is no small thing. Y'all, Jerusalem is seven miles away. It is evening. It is very common in that time to know not to walk at night. It's not safe. It's not safe here to walk at night, right? So they're, they're, they're okay. They don't care. Their life has been changed by the Redeemer. They have a story to tell. They are going back to where they saw the horrific stuff occur. They're going back to where all all this confusion began. And they're going to tell. They're going to tell the story of Jesus. That he is indeed alive, right? There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They had a story to tell, and they had to go back. They had to tell it. And their story started because they were being with Jesus, truly being with him. You know the popular scripture, for Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God, right? Usually we see this as a pretty painting with still water and a boat and... Uh, do you know the actual Hebrew text for be still there is a command? Enough. Surrender. Think parent upset about kids fighting. <laughs> Enough. It's time for you to let go and surrender. And no, the no there is to be recognized, to reveal. So be still. Enough. Enough with it. Like go and surrender and recognize that I am God. And that's what these disciples on the road to Emmaus are having that experience. Jesus like enough, enough being confused, enough with all of this and recognize that I am God. And in our own life, we have to do that too, right? We have to say to our distractions and our excuses, our stinking thinking, enough, enough with that. It is time for me to let go and surrender and know that the same I am that was with Moses, the same I am that was on this road to Emmaus, is the same I am that was with me right now. And then we have to go and go back into Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem, our Jerusalem is a lot like there. It's the world. A world that is confused. A world that is lost. A world that has different priorities. A world that is in a land of we had hoped. But oh, if we are a people of God, we are not people that we had hoped. We are people that have the hope that the world needs. 
We are the people that have to take the hope into the world, change the we had hope so they realize the Redeemer that everybody's so desperately in need of. God says that we, the church, are his body, the body of Christ. We wonder who we are. We wonder who we are, who our identity is, who we are. We are a child of God when we know Jesus. Our identity is in Christ when we, when we believe. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus says. Do you believe this? Our job is to bring hope to the world and to be with the I am.